Yeah, yeah. Good morning, everybody. It's really good to worship with you. I hope it was as good where you were sitting where I was because Jesus showed up right there in that spot and I had a good time with him. So I'm trusting that you're blessed by Jesus being in this room this morning. What a week we've had. How many of you think like, man, it's already been a whole year and it's only been 10 days of of 2021. Um, I've really felt the reminder this morning to just tell people and remind ourselves that our freedom comes from Jesus. Can I get an amen on that? Like, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. I've heard a bunch of people tell me different things about, are you concerned about what's happening here or what these people are doing or what these people are trying to take away from us? And I'm reminding myself even, our freedom comes from Jesus and what he did on the cross. And and this, this was not on my plan at all this morning, but while we were sitting there worshiping, I was just reminded of the story of, uh, there was a guy named Viktor Frankl, who was actually a Jewish man who ended up in a concentration camp in Germany in World War II. And he, he wrote a book afterwards. He actually survived the experience, got out later and wrote a book. And he said, one of the last human freedoms that no one can ever take away from you is your choice of how to respond in any circumstance. And I thought, because he was all about like, man, those guys that mistreated me, they locked me up, they killed my family and friends. I chose to forgive them. I chose to love them. I chose to continue to pray for them. And I thought, man, if, if a guy that had been treated that way and actually went through the horrors of being in a concentration camp in World War II could have that attitude and say, man, I still get a chance to choose how to treat other people no matter what they're doing to me. I thought, man, what excuse do I have to complain about anything that's going on or to badmouth or belittle anybody else? So our freedom comes from Jesus. So that was free. That doesn't count against my time this morning. I just wanted to remind us that freedom comes from Jesus, not the government, not big tech, not any man-made institution. It comes from him. And the true freedom is right here inside of us because of what he did on the cross. Uh, and that, that, I'm saying all that because part of what I did think about this week is I saw this meme online that somebody said, I've, I've already had my seven-day trial of 2021 and I'd like to cancel. I, I thought, man, there is a lot of that going around right now. Like, hey, can, can we just get a reset? Can we get a redo on this one? And, and even in the middle of that attitude, it made me think and it stirred me, what an opportunity for the church to step up and be the light of the world that we were called to be. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of people that are operating in fear right now. There's a lot of people that are, have questions and they're wondering and they have this insecurity in them and they need the people of God to step up and say, this is who Jesus is and what he can do in your life and in order to do that we need to have some habits in our life which is why we've been doing this series called habits Uh, we develop habits because they bring discipline and self-control in our lives new habits help us cooperate with what the holy spirit wants to develop in our character and our nature and how we treat other people how we live our lives and uh, last week we started this series by saying uh, that discipline is not a dirty word that discipline, my, my definition for this series is actually intentionally doing things that we may not want to do to move us towards being who we want to be or who we were created to be, who Jesus sees us. How many of you would really like to be the person that Jesus thinks you are? Come on. There, there is something about that, and it doesn't just happen automatically. It happens when we make intentional choices to cooperate with what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, and part of that comes through discipline and habits. We, I've been watching the TV and some of the news this week, and I'm thinking, man, we as the people of God have a lot of room for improvement. 
to be the people that we were created to be by Jesus. And uh, this was a key verse that we read last week in 1 Timothy chapter 4. It says, Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. I just thought, man, physical training is good. Pam talked before service started about Selah, pause in his presence and rest. And I thought, man, during that first song, when we're dancing and jumping around, I need to pause and rest in his presence. And it it was maybe reminding me that physical training is good for when we all get together. We're not like after one song, like, whoo, can the worship team just pause in his presence for a moment? I I need to catch my breath for a second. Uh, In the natural, it's good to have habits that help us stay healthy and take care of our bodies. But there really are habits that Christians need to have that Paul talks about it as being training for godliness. And the goal of any Christian habit that we're talking about, no matter what it is, what we do as Christians, the goal of all of those habits is to know Jesus better. It's it's not to check off a religious checklist. It's not to, to do some things so God will be happy or pleased with us. It's to know him better. If we're, doing, if we're doing any of the Christian activities that we do for any other reason than that, we've missed the point of them. And last week we talked about reading the Bible is a habit that we really need to get back to, to be grounded in that. Uh, we've been reading as a congregation. We started last week. We're reading through the book of John together this month. It's not too late to start. If you missed this week, you can catch up pretty easily to read through the book of John in a month. It's only about 25 or 30 verses a day, and you get amazing insight of who Jesus is and how he interacted with people and the love that he has for us. Uh, so it's not too, too late to start reading with us through the book of John. You can find uh, the, the reading schedule online. There's some codes you can scan in the foyer. Uh, but this week, I want to talk about a habit that's often listed up there, right up at the top when you ask people, what should Christians be, do, be doing? It's listed right up there with reading the Bible. It's a habit that we really need as much now more than ever, or as much as ever, when I see what's going on in our country. And in fact, if you read through the Bible enough, you should realize that we are supposed to do this. Any any guesses? If this was kids, hey, thank you, I heard that somewhere. We're going to talk about prayer today. And uh, Jesus wept in John 11.35 is the shortest verse in the Bible, but this one is right up there with it. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, never stop praying. In fact, I can say that one without even looking at my notes. I have it memorized. Never stop praying. Can we say that together this morning? Never stop praying. Come on, that we need to pray. This isn't just a nice suggestion. This is a New Testament command that Paul was writing to followers of Jesus. And he said, never stop praying. If we want to be more like Jesus, we will pray. We will do what this verse commands us. If it sounds dull or boring to say that, Maybe we have a wrong picture of what prayer is supposed to be like. John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist Church, which you may look at now and say, oh, where is the life and the excitement? John Wesley had meetings where people were falling over and out of trees and shaking on the ground because the Holy Spirit was showing up and blowing up their meetings. And John Wesley said this. He said, prayer is where the action is. Can you imagine that? The guy that was known for founding one of the biggest denominations. He was known as a great preacher, a skilled orator of the word. People love to come and hear him preach. He said prayer is where the action is. Everything that flowed out of his ministry came because he spent time with Jesus and he spent time in, his, in prayer. And in its simplest definition, prayer is having a conversation with God. 
I don't know what you've ever thought about what prayer should look like or what prayer should be, but prayer is having a conversation with God. How many of you know if I have a conversation with Pam and all I ever do is talk, it's not much of a conversation. Prayer is a conversation. We ought to be leaving time to listen for God's voice as much as we're talking to him. And so prayer really is just talking with God. It's as old as humanity. Come on, I believe Adam, that was prayer when he walked and talked with God in the cool of the day in the garden. There was, there was something about, I'm developing a relationship with this God who created me. I'm talking with him, listening to what he says, telling him what's on my heart. It's a conversation. Throughout the Old Testament, people always prayed to God for provision, for protection, for success, for safety. There were all kinds of things that they said, but I want to tell you, in the New Testament, prayer shifted. When Jesus came on the scene, something about how we can pray changed from what people had ever experienced before on this earth. Jesus prayed a lot. If you read through Scripture, you'll actually notice a whole bunch of times where it says Jesus stole away from the crowd to go be alone, to commune with the Father, to pray. He withdrew to a solitary place to pray. If Jesus needed to do that, why would we think any less that we need that in our lives? He prayed a lot. Why did he need to pray? I've, I've heard this question from people that are asking, uh, like, should I be a believer? I don't know about this whole God thing. They're like, well, why did Jesus need to pray if he was God? Because in the book of Philippians, it says when he became a man, he laid aside his God powers. It says he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. He wanted to show us what we need to do to live a life in relationship with the Father. And so he set some of that aside. So part of what Jesus needed to do was to pray, to spend time with the Father, to say, what are we going to do now? Man, isn't that a great prayer to start with? Some of us need to say that, Lord, what do we do now? There's, there's a lot of, that is a very valid prayer that you can pray and ask God to answer to us. Uh, he prayed to set an example for us. But what Jesus did in shifting it, he came and he prayed with power and authority. There was something different. When Jesus prayed, stuff happened. How many of you love those times when you pray and you see stuff happen? Come on, when Jesus prayed, there was a power and an authority laced in his prayers that people really hadn't seen up to that point. In fact, one of Jesus' prayer times, go ahead and put that next picture up. Uh, one of Jesus' prayer times, he took uh, Peter, James, and John with him, said, hey, come with me, we're going to go up on the mountain and pray. And while Jesus was having this prayer time, maybe you ever see those religious pictures where it's like Jesus got the big long robes on and He's praying and he's got this little glow around his head and his hands are in the right paw. His beard is just right and his hands look like manicured nails. Like, no wonder people think prayer is boring when they see some of those religious paintings about what it looked like. Jesus went to pray on this mountaintop and he started glowing. And guys from heaven appeared in the prayer meeting with him and began to talk with him. Come on, how many of us would love to experience a prayer meeting like that? There, there is something about when Jesus prayed, something different happened than what people had experienced up to that point. It says he began to glow. His garments became white as lightning. And, and Peter, James, and John, I think I'd love to say I'm so spiritual and, and just such a great God follower that I would have known exactly what to do, but I would have been just like Peter, James, and John. They're like, I think that's Moses and Elijah. What should we do? Well, let's, let's build a little tent so they can hang out with us. Like, I don't know what they were thinking. They were guys. Let's build something. That's the guy response. Like, instead of, hey, let's, let's get the mysteries of the universe downloaded to us at this moment. Jesus, how are you making this happen? They're like, can we build a tent for you and your friends? But there was something about that moment when Jesus prayed, stuff happened. And the shift that happened, I think, for us 
even, even seeing Jesus pray like that, seeing the stuff that happened, what Jesus gave to us, the shift that happened for us in prayer is he taught us to pray our Father. Up until that point, it was kind of like, hey, we hope we brought the right sacrifice to the temple so God will hear us. We, we hope we followed those, those ten commandments that are in the box on the stone tablets. We hope we did them just right so that God will hear our prayers and provide what we're asking for. And Jesus came on the scene and said, hey, instead of praying that way and being worried about, did I do it just right? Is he going to hear me? Did this prayer get through? Is the line jammed? Are there too many people in front of me? He said, you can come to him and say, our Father. There's a place of intimacy that we can pray from. Uh, this, is, this is like the shift from if, if you've said, hey, I really need something and I need to ask my, my mother-in-law's second cousin, twice removed Uncle Charlie, who I'm not even sure if he's related to me or not, I need to ask him for something. It's the difference between that and saying, I'm talking to my dad who loves me and knows exactly what I need and wants to provide for me. And some people in this room, I know if, if you've had a strained relationship with your dad growing up, sometimes it's hard to picture doing what Jesus said, where you come to God and say, our father. But there is something, we, somehow we got to get healed from some of those limitations and that thinking about our natural father so that we can come to him and say, I know you are the one that loves me and hears me. We have the same standing with the father that Jesus did. Romans 8.17 actually says that we are co-equal heirs with Christ, that we are his children, we are adopted by him into his family. We have the same standing as Jesus. I don't know if you can wrap your head around that. I think that's amazing that whatever God did for Jesus, he would do for you. What a thought that we have been given that type of standing to be with him, to talk with our dad who loves us. Man, the prayer of God's people shifted because he said, pray this way, our Father. And then he turns around and says, you know what? Not just praying to our Father in that relationship place, but I'm actually going to give you my name to pray with. He says, There's, my name has more authority than any other name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. There's nothing under heaven or earth that can save people except my name. He says, I'm going to give it to you to use now. Talk about a change in how we would pray and approach God in our, in our circumstances. Uh, this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. It has been since I've been a kid. But John fourteen twelve, Jesus was speaking and he said this, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to the Father. Can I just pause there for a second and say that that verse says anyone. Everybody say anyone. anyone. That verse says anyone who believes. It doesn't say if you've got a degree behind your name, if you went to a certain seminary, if, if you studied the Bible for so many years, then you get a certificate that says now you can ask for these powerful prayers. It says anyone who believes will do these works. What Jesus did in his life is not unattainable. And sometimes we look at what Jesus did and we think, I could never do that. Look at, look at all that stuff. That's, there's no way what Jesus did is not unattainable. Well, why not? How did he make that transaction happen? The very next verse, verse 13 says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Why? So that the son can bring glory to the father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Have you ever met somebody, though, that, that they thought Jesus's name made is like a magic word? Like that makes it a valid prayer because you tack that on. 
It's like you could say anything you want. Lord, I'd, I'd love to win the lottery and have a new car and, and smite my enemies and, oh yeah, bless my neighbor. Like, in Jesus' name, amen. Like, that makes it all okay no matter what I said. You've got to do it now because I tacked Jesus on there. Come on, it's not a magic word. It's, it's not, God is not a supernatural cosmic vending machine that you can just put Jesus' name in the, in the slot and then pull out whatever you want. When, when he says in Jesus' name, Jesus was actually saying there is a seal upon your life because you believe that says you are mine. You belong to me. And when the Father looks at you, he hears your voice the same as he hears my voice and the same authority and the power that I pray with, I'm giving it to you. As a, I'm telling you, as a Christian believer, somebody that knows that they know who they are, it doesn't matter whether you say in Jesus' name or not at the end of your prayer. It has authority because you have belief and faith in your heart. I love saying Jesus' name at the end of my prayer because it reminds me that I am standing in him and it lets everybody else know that I'm done. That, that's helpful also. Thank you, Lord. Um, but it doesn't make God a supernatural vending machine. It just gives us the authority to stand. God is still more interested in moving us into his plans than changing his plans to fit us. Okay, so you, you can't just ask for anything you want. You need to know what is the will of God. When we pray according to his will and we pray in the name of Jesus, we know that he hears us and he will move on our behalf. And God put power and authority in our prayers and gave us Jesus' name to pray them in. Here's a great verse in James reminding us that we have power when we pray. In James 5.16, it says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power. Everybody say great power. And produces wonderful results. Everybody say wonderful results. When, it's, like a, it's almost like an infomercial. You can have great power and wonderful results, but it's in the Bible. Wouldn't we all love for our prayers to be full of great power and wonderful results? It happens because we have his name, because we are righteous in Christ. And we pray those prayers and we expect to have great power and wonderful results. I, I love that verse. It says, confess your sins to each other. Uh, the Aramaic translation actually says, confess how you have offended one another. Come on, he's like, before you start praying these great faith-filled prayers, take care of your junk that you have in relationships with other people. Man, come on. How much more would we change the way we act with other people if we knew it impacted the power and wonderful results of our prayers? I, I, that is why that's in there. Not so you can go around saying, oh, I got to tell you what a sinner I am, Rick. I can't, uh, can't tell you what I did this week. It's, hey, I want to make sure we're okay because I don't want anything to hinder this relationship. Come on, there, there is a tie between this relationship and this relationship. And what we do with one another affects the power that we pray with. Man. Or you could just say, confess your sins to each other. Hey, I want to help you and help me stay accountable to do what we're called to do as Jesus. Um, but then, like, let's get past that stuff so that we can focus on praying power-filled prayers. Uh, I, I saw a quote somewhere that said, if your prayer life is boring, you need to stop thinking about yourself and focus on Jesus. Yeah. Oh, that was a... You never see that quote crocheted on a pillow in anybody's house. Like, 
Oh my gosh, talk about feeling it when you read a quote there. But if your prayer life is boring, maybe we need to stop thinking about ourselves and focus on Jesus. Because he says in that verse, the earnest prayer of a righteous person produces power and wonderful results. He says, pray for each other so that you may be healed. Come on, pray for each other because it brings healing. There's stuff going on in our lives. It may not be a physical pain that you're dealing with, but we all come to places where we need healing from something. And it happens when we begin to pray for each other. Pray for each other because it produces healing. Pray because it produces. Period. I'd really like some wonderful results, Lord. Help me to pray those prayers. And, and the reality is, even though God is sovereign, for some reason, He has tied His intervention into the affairs of this world to the amount that we pray. Did you ever have somebody have a hard time believing or an atheist come to you and say, well, I can't believe because how could God let all these bad things happen in the world? How many of you ever heard that? That's a very common objection to coming to faith is people say, well, how could you let all, how could a good God let all these bad things happen? And I read a verse like that and say, maybe it's because the good God's people aren't praying the power-filled prayers that we need to pray. Maybe God really wants to intervene in the circumstances that are happening all around us, but his people have silenced their mouth. And he's, he's saying, I just, I just, just give me something to work with. Give me some word. Uh, the Bible talks about faith being a substance of things not seen. I think that's what God does. Is when he hears those prayers that are prayed in faith, he says, there's substance that I can work with now. There's building blocks that I can use to begin to change circumstances. But if we're silent, he says, I can't do anything yet. Come on, did you ever think of that? The sovereign God that created all of the universe is just waiting for us to speak. Man, that would change our thoughts about prayer. And I'm, I want to say a couple things, and I'd really like you to say, Pastor Chris, we love you no matter what. Our prayers have power, and they should be producing wonderful results, but I really felt compelled to remind us of this this week. Don't offset the power of your prayers with your other words. James chapter 1 talks about we don't get what we ask because we're double-minded. And I think sometimes we pray these power-filled prayers or these prayers that have potential to produce something, and we offset the prayers that we just prayed by the other things we say and do. Lord, give me wisdom and success in what I'm going to do. And then we walk around saying, ah, I'm such a failure. Nothing's good that's going to happen in my life. It always goes wrong for me. Can you see where that's double-minded? Or, man, I forgive my neighbor for the way he treated me. And then we turn around later. Zach, let me tell you what my neighbor did this week. He's such a butt face. Like, I can't believe what he did. Come on. Do you see the double-mindedness? Lord, restore peace and unity in our country. You see what's going on this week. And then we turn around. Those hateful idiots in the fill-in-the-blank party, whichever one you don't agree with. Come on. How can we expect wonderful results to our powerful prayers if we're saying, Lord, we need peace, we need unity, and then we begin to badmouth and tear down the other people around us just because we don't agree with them? kind of goes back to my first thought. Our freedom comes from Jesus. 
Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. The gospel is our mission. We are called to produce something that is a kingdom, not of this world. Okay, and I will tell you, if we get too caught up in the affairs of this world, we get off mission and we forget what we're here to do. We get to a place where we start, we want to pray powerful prayers. We come together with God's people and say, hey, it's been a really hard week in our country. We're going to pray for peace and unity. And we, we get excited when we're here and then we go home and we start saying things that undermine what we just prayed on Sunday together. Thank you for telling me you love me up front. I love you too. How about more of this, please, Jesus? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, this is what Jesus said. I say to you, love your enemy. Bless the one who curses you. Do something wonderful for the one who hates you. And respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them. Oh, this is such a hard verse, Jesus. Why would you put that in there? And he has the nerve. Jesus has the nerve to go on and say this, for that will reveal your identity as children of your heavenly Father. How we treat the people that disparage us, run us down, try to take away our freedoms. How we treat those people that are persecuting us shows whether or not we belong to him. Man, I would love to tell you that Jesus' standards are easy to meet. But they will work hard on you till the day you die. Lord, help me to be this person that you're talking about in this verse. Lord, empower me by your spirit. Because it doesn't come from us wanting it to happen. It doesn't come from saying, oh, I'm just going to double down. I'm going to have willpower and I'm going to say nice things about people. It doesn't happen that way. It happens from Lord Jesus. I need your spirit to come and change the words coming out of my mouth. Or back it up a step before the words that come out of your mouth. Lord Jesus, I need you to change the attitudes that are going on in my heart. And that will change the words coming out of my mouth. Come on, he says, don't just pray for ourselves and the people we care about. Pray for those who are actively against us. What a revival would happen in our nation if, if we just grabbed this verse and, and we began to pray for those who are persecuting us, those who are actively against us. You know, it's hard to keep hating someone that you're actively praying for. Have you ever experienced that in your life? Can, can I just see a show of hands even? If you've gone through a season where you had somebody that was like, man, I can't stand that person, but I began to pray for them. And what happens in that process of praying, you begin to see them with the same heart and the same eyes that Jesus sees them with. And pretty soon it's like, man, God so loved that he gave Jesus. And the longer I've started praying for that person, man, I can't hate them anymore. I can't even get upset at them, really, because there's something in me that's changed. It's shifted to say, I love this person the same way that Jesus loves them. And that helps show people that we belong to the Father. The very one that Jesus said, pray this way now. Our Father, the one that loves and hears us. It shows that we're His when we pray for others. I I was thinking this week, as important, as needed as it is right now, why don't we pray more? Just as Christians in general, did you ever ask that question? I can understand why people who don't believe in God don't pray, right? Like, Like, that's a pretty easy one. But as Christians, knowing the power behind it and what happens when we pray, why don't we do it more? And I've heard all kinds of answers. Oh, well, I don't. I don't really have time to do that, or I don't want to bother God. My request isn't big enough to take his time. Do you ever meet somebody like that? Like, oh, there's, he's got bigger fish to fry. He doesn't need my prayers. 
Or, or will they say, I don't pray because nothing happens when I pray. Or I just don't know how to pray. Man, how many have ever been there in a place? Like, I, I, will, I will own that one. Sometimes you just don't know how to pray. And, and we don't do it. We let it go by because we don't feel like we know how. Man, and I thought, there are a whole bunch of different ways to pray. We just got to start somewhere. Because I think, what, what, if my, what if I only had one kind of conversation with Pam? Like, like, what if my conversations at home sounded like some of our prayer lives? Like, I walk in, hey, Pam, it's me. Just wanted to let you know that we're short of money again. I've been having a funny pain in my shoulder. I'm really worried about it. I'd like to get that new job that I applied for. I hope the Steelers win tonight. That's what I, that's what I really would hope after all, all that other stuff. Just let the Steelers win. Oh, yeah, and Cousin Betty is sick. I hope she gets well. Talk to you later. And then I don't talk to Pam again until the next day, and I have that same conversation with her, that same very one-sided conversation. Maybe it's because we don't know how to pray sometimes. My, my point in all of it is you don't have to be a prayer expert to pray. Man, that, that ought to free some of us up. You don't have to be a prayer expert to pray. Just pray. There is no formula. It can be loud. Like, like Sam, he's praying back there for me. He's saying, Lord, help Pastor Chris right now. Like, it can be loud. It can be quiet. Prayer can be done in a group. Prayer can be done alone. There are all kinds of ways to pray. You can pray prayers of praise. Hey, I'm just going to sit down right now and tell Jesus how wonderful he is. You can pray prayers of confession and repentance. You can ask God for direction or guidance. You can express your thoughts and feelings to him. Man, wouldn't that be an awesome conversation? Pam's like, let us have a conversation like that, Lord, where Chris tells me his thoughts and feelings. Like, maybe Jesus would like that conversation sometime also, where, where we're not really asking for anything. We're not telling him all our concerns. and our, We're just, hey, God, this is what I'm feeling today. These are the dreams in my heart. These are the things that are going on in me that make me me. You know, he would really love a conversation like that. Maybe you're praying prayers of intercession on behalf of somebody else. Those are awesome prayers to pray. Maybe it's just Thanksgiving. Maybe, maybe you've been asked to open a service somewhere or a graduation party with a prayer of blessing. Come on, there are all kinds of ways that we can pray. How many of you know help is a valid prayer? Like, that's a great one to start with sometimes. I just need you, Lord. Or sometimes we just get quiet and meditative. That's been a key word the last couple of days of just meditating on the goodness of God and stopping to pause in his presence and say, in the middle of all this craziness, I just need to stop and center myself back on you. There are all kinds of prayers. Ephesians 6.18 says, make your prayers known with all kinds of requests and prayers. Paul says there's all kinds of prayers that we can pray. Just don't make it a dead routine. I think that's, that's all he's after. He doesn't care what kind of conversation it is. Just don't make it a dead routine. Matthew 6.5, I want to close with this verse. I love the thought of it from the message. Uh, in Matthew 6, 5, he says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there simply and as honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. And then Jesus goes on that passage to teach them how to pray. But the point is, find a quiet place. Just be honest with him. What if, what if the main point of prayer, just like we talked about all these other Christian habits, what if the main point of prayer is to develop a relationship with Him? To know Him better and be known by Him. Prayer, prayer in Scripture is often linked to fasting. Uh, you may need to do that as you're praying, just to hear Him better. 
How many of you know in the Bible, fasting is mainly talking about giving up food for a period of time, but there are other things that we probably need to fast to be able to hear him better. I don't know about you, but it would probably help me immensely to, to put my phone away when I'm wanting to spend time with God and hear him clearly or to shut off the news or however, whatever those noises are and those other things, those things that are consuming our time and our effort and our energy. What if we put some of those things aside for short periods of time to focus on hearing him and knowing him better? I also think, how about instead of getting upset because God doesn't answer a prayer the way we think he should? Ever, ever experienced that? God, I prayed this, but you did that. Like we're telling him his job. You should have done it this way. We're, we're all guilty of that at some time. Instead of getting upset about it, not getting answered the way we look, what if we realize God's really more interested about what's going on in our heart than what's going on in our circumstance? That's a hard one to wrap my head around. He really is interested more about what's going on in here with me than what's going on around me. What if, what if he's really more interested in saying, hey, I'm not going to do anything about that storm right now that's going on around you. I'm just going to come give you peace in the middle of it so you can continue to walk through it with all the waves crashing around you. What if that's the point of prayer rather than changing everything to be the way we want it? Ooh. After never stop praying, that verse we read in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, right after that verse, it says, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Whether the stuff changes or not, give thanks in all circumstances. That's his will for us. We don't have to make the answer happen. We just have to pray. Can we agree to do that? That's good. I've got at least a couple people nodding, a couple people looking at the clock. We don't have to make the answers happen, but we have to pray. And that's what we're going to do. We, we're going to do our part so that he can do his part. Amen? Uh, so this is, the, this is the action item I have for you. Uh, pray every day. That's, that's what I'd like us to do this week. And, and if you're reading through the book of John with us, I would like us to couple praying every day together with reading through the book of John. Doesn't that sound like a wonderful idea that we could actually sit, read the Bible, and then pray to, a little bit each day? Um, and this is what I would like us to specifically pray for this week. As we're reading through John, as we're spending time to pray, tell Jesus something you love about him. And I think that's, very, that's been very helpful for me as we're reading through the book of John because I see things in there that I love about Jesus. I'm like, Jesus, you're amazing that you did that. Like, that should be the first part of our prayer. Tell Jesus something you love about him. Then I want you to pray for somebody you love. How many of you have someone you love that needs you to pray for them? Come on, like every hand in the room should go up. If you don't have any friends, you don't have anybody that loves you or you love them, then we'll, we need to talk later. But pray for somebody you love, just something that's going on in their life. And then, this is the good part, pray for somebody you don't like. Is anybody willing in church to admit that you have somebody you don't like in your life? <laughs> Man, more hands went up on that one than pray for somebody you love. Man, help, Jesus. We need, we need you. And then after, after you do all those things, pray about something you need because there's stuff going on in our lives that we, we do need some things, and it's okay to do that. But I'd like us to put that one last. So we're going to pray. We're going to tell Jesus something we love about him. We're going to pray for somebody we love. We're going to pray for somebody we don't like because we want to pray for our enemies and bless those who persecute us. And then we'll pray for something we need. 
fact, we're going we're gonna to take a moment to do that before we leave today. So let's go ahead and stand in this place. And uh, if you're in this room or you're watching online and you've never started a relationship with Jesus, it will change the power of your prayers. You, you may have, I, know, I know people that aren't saved, that they, they pray sometimes. Just They throw up the, the lifelines. God, help me. I need this. Help. I'm, I'm in this situation. Do you know that if you start a relationship with Jesus, those prayers take on a whole new meaning and dynamic. And uh, one of the first prayers that you would ever pray to start that relationship is, Lord Jesus, I need you. I, I believe in you. I believe that you were the Son of God, that you went to the cross for me, and that God raised you from the dead, that you are my Savior. And in that moment, life comes into you. And your prayers take on a whole new aspect. If you need to do that this morning, please do that, and then let one of us know. If you're watching online, you can send us a note. Or if you're in this room, come tell us. But the rest of us, here's what I want to do. I'm, I'm going to watch the time. And we're not going to do this long. 30 seconds for each one of those four things that I just said. And come on, Jesus said, couldn't you watch with me even an hour to his disciples? He wanted an hour prayer meeting out of them. I'm only asking you for 30 seconds per thing. So two minutes, we're going to do this. Uh, I'm going to say go. In that moment, we're going to pray and tell Jesus something we love about him. After 30 seconds, I'm going to say, now what we're going to pray for is someone you love. We'll do that, What the things that I just mentioned. Uh, but on the count of three, we're going to start with telling Jesus something we love about him. Right where you are, under your breath, in your heart, go. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, you are. pray for somebody we love for 30 seconds. Thank you, Lord Jesus. for 30 seconds, I'm going to encourage you to pray this one in your heart in case somebody near you knows who this person is. But we're going to take 30 seconds, pray for somebody that you don't like, whoever God pops into your mind right now. Now we're going to take 30 seconds to just pray about something you need. What's going on in your life that is pressing, that you're having the most of your attention drawn to it. Just pray for what you need right now.
you, Lord Jesus. I don't, I don't know which one of those 30-second intervals was the hardest for you. Maybe that's the one you need to do more of this week. But, man, there's power. Even Come on. That was, that was almost, some people would call that ridiculously short. That was two minutes of praying together. And there's power being released even now because prayers are prayed in the name of Jesus. And uh, Lord, we thank you right now that you hear those prayers and you act upon them. And I just ask that you would increase the anointing that's upon us to be people of prayer. Lord, give us your grace that we need to be ones that our first thought turns towards praying to you instead of it being a last resort. Lord, let our first thought as Christians always be, let's pray. Let's ask the Father what we should do about this. Let's see what he wants in this situation. Lord, stir our hearts with prayer because that's what's needed to change what's going on in us and in the circumstances around us. Lord, we do pray. Uh, and honor you right now for who you are. Even as we sang this morning, you are so good, God. We honor you. We thank you for your great love for us. Lord, we thank you for the people that we love that are near and dear to us all over this room, the people that we prayed for, that were lifted up before your throne. I thank you that you wrap them in your arms right now, that they know your great love and your power in their lives. Lord, we do choose to pray for our enemies and those who persecute us, those who even spitefully use us. Lord, we ask that they would be overtaken by your love that your hand would be upon them, Lord God, not for judgment or to strike them down somehow, but to be blessed and to know that you are a good God who loves them and is pursuing them with open arms. Lord, I ask, as crazy as it may sound, Lord, use us to be ones that speak words of kindness. Let us be those messengers of reconciliation that the scripture talks about, even to the people that have used us and persecuted us. And Lord, ask that you would meet the needs that were lifted up in this room this morning. You see every heart, what's going on in our lives, what we need most right now. I ask that you would come and provide for us. And Lord, I thank you for giving us the ability to see beyond the things that we think aren't happening or what's lacking in our natural circumstances. Help us to see beyond and to keep our eyes fixed on you. Lord, bless us indeed. Even as we go from this place today, I thank you that your presence and your power goes with us wherever we are. We honor you, Lord. We love you. We thank you for your hand upon our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Can we give God a hand in this place this morning? He really is worthy.